0: Well, today, uh, we are going to be in the Gospel of Mark, and Lord willing, next week as well. We think about Christ going to the cross, and of course, we think about the resurrection next Sunday. We have to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. And I want to read uh, the first 15 verses of Mark chapter 15, and this is... uh, Leading up to the crucifixion, Uh, the crucifixion, of course, occurs uh, in this chapter, but we will not quite get to that moment. But let us hear the word of God. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus, led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to them, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow insurrectionists. They had committed murder in the insurrection. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. And Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who is called the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? And they cried out more exceedingly, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. But thus ends the reading of God's inerrant and authoritative word. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, these portions of the Gospels, the four Gospels, uh, each of them having about a third of the, these books devoted to uh, the events of your passion. So, Lord, would you speak to us today? and teach us more fully about these things so that we might love you and that we might respond lord with faith and with obedience and and lord that that you would do your work in us today even as the word is being proclaimed for we ask it in Christ's name amen, amen. so chapter 15 begins that this wonderful but sorrowful section Uh, dealing with the Lamb of God who was to be slain uh, and was to be crucified. It's part of the history, the gospel history, that, of course, should always be read with great reverence. And it's hard not to read and think of these things um, without reverence. And we are on holy ground as we read uh, about the sufferings and death of the Lord Jesus. And so as Mark Chapter 15 begins. It is morning. Uh, Jesus had been arrested that night and uh, been taken to the high priest. He was put on trial. There were secret proceedings during the night. Many false witnesses came forward. And, of course, even their testimony didn't agree. But uh, And finally, uh, Jesus was asked point blank uh, by the high priest, Are you the to Christ, the Son of the Blessed. This is in chapter 14. Jesus said, I am, and you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And that's when the high priest uh, tore his robes, accused him of blasphemy, and, and, and then the Jewish leaders all condemned him to be deserving of death. That was the result of their trial. And then after that, Mark 16, I mean 14.65 says that some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to beat him, and to say, Prophesy, and the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. And we shudder to think of the the perfect Son of God being subject to such abuse. Could have destroyed them all with a word. And truly, if we had been in his place, we might have been tempted to do that. But but Christ endured these things. He suffered the shame and he did it for us. And then Mark 14 ends with the account of Peter who denied the Lord three times. Peter, uh, is, after that third denial, it says, Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows. crows twice you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Um, Peter wept. And that leads us to the first one of our text for this morning, uh, So the Jewish leaders, they they met and they took counsel together and they decided to deliver Jesus to Pontius Pilate, the Roman procurator of Judea. Psalm 2 predicted this moment. It says the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers took counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. You see, Christ was a king. He came to rule over all men who would be willing to receive Him. But they would not be bound by God's righteous rule in Christ. They rejected Him. Uh, They would not submit to the Anointed One, to the Messiah. Uh, and, And seeking to be released from the bonds of Christ, they bound Him and led Him away to Pilate. And they did this because they wanted to kill Jesus, and by Roman law, they were not allowed to, to actually uh, carry out the death penalty uh, themselves. The Romans had to do that. So they had to convince Pilate uh, that Jesus was worthy of death. That's, that explains what's going on here in our text. Uh, but let's think of, for a moment about Jesus being bound by these Jewish leaders as he was led away to stand before Pilate. And the first thing to think about is that Christ was bound willingly. Uh, no one could bind Jesus Christ uh, if he didn't want to be bound, but he let them do it. He could have broken their bonds just as easily as Samson broke the cords that you know, the Philistines tried to tie him up with or Delilah tried to bind him with. And this binding of Jesus also occurred earlier. Uh at the time of his arrest, Jesus came, of course, to set us free. He was bound that we might be set free. Isaiah 61, 1, the Messiah is speaking there and says, The Lord has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You and I are born in bondage to sin. Uh, The cords of sin held us, hold us fast until we are set free. Uh, We were like Samson before uh, or or when he lost his strength and found that he couldn't break his cords. You and I cannot break uh, that bondage uh, that we were in uh, to sin. But the Bible says when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So Christ being bound, you see, reminds us that He did so, that we might be set free. If you come to Christ and ask Him to set you free from sin, from its penalty and its power. In verse 2, Pilate asked the question, are you the king of the Jews? And I've said this before, but the word order here in, in Greek has you... At the very first, uh, for emphasis, at the beginning of uh, of the sentence. So literally it reads, you are the king of the Jews. Well, the question is, you are the king of the Jews? That's probably how he said it. And uh, certainly Jesus at that point did not uh, really ever look the part of a king. They tried to make him king at times, but he wouldn't allow them. Uh, and yet he was a king, wasn't he? but not the kind of king that they thought he would be. Uh, We find in Luke 23, verse 2, the reason why Pilate asked this question at all, Uh, it says there that uh, the people said to Pilate, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, which wasn't true, uh, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So uh, he's being accused of of usurping the role of of Pilate and and Caesar and any other Roman ruler at the time. And so that's why Pilate asked the question. Uh, And Jesus, when he was asked, said, yes, it is as you say. He admitted he was a king. Uh, But again, uh, he was not the kind of king that was going to be uh, an immediate threat to, to Pilate or to Caesar. And and after talking with Jesus, Pilate realized that. In John's account, in John 18.38, it says that that after conferring with Jesus, Pilate went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. And if you read all the gospel accounts together, uh, it's very clear that Pilate was convinced that Jesus, for many reasons, he was convinced that Jesus was innocent. Three times he declared publicly that he could find no grounds for charging him, and, and Pilate wanted to to release Jesus. He, he didn't want to condemn him to death. But Jesus had said he was a king, and and it seems that Pilate didn't really accept what you know the Jews were trying to say that he was uh, going to you know be a threat to their rule. Uh, but Pilate did, interestingly enough, have the following posted above Jesus' head on the cross. It said, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Uh, And I think he did that because he hated the Jews and he took a jab at them uh, by putting that up there. They didn't want that up there, but he put it up there anyway. Not that he believed it, but he wanted uh, to get back at the Jews. And, of course, they had rejected him as their king. Uh, So then what kind of king is Jesus? Well, Jesus Christ is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords and he's the sovereign ruler of the universe. He rules all things in heaven and on earth, even as uh, he is seated now at God's right hand. And, And the Bible tells us in several places that Jesus is the one who will judge us on the final day of judgment. And so we will all stand before him as our judge and king uh, on that day. Romans 14.10 says we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the question is what will you and I do with this king? How will we respond to him? How are we responding to him now? What is the right response uh, to a king? Well, earthly kings. Of course, the right way to respond to them is to bow before them and swear allegiance to them. And it's no different uh, with Christ. You, you, you bow before him and you swear allegiance to him. Only Christ, he demands to rule not only over your, the externals of your life, but over your very hearts. Um, as much as uh, those in power today want to rule over our very thoughts, and they try to, They arrest people for praying silently in public places nowadays, but they can't rule over our hearts. But Christ can, and He desires to, and until you yield His, uh, to Him His rightful rule over your own heart, uh, you are not saved. Uh, Salvation comes when we, when we say, Christ, come into my heart and take over my life. Be Lord of my life. Be the king of my life and save me. In verses 3 to 5, we read that the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And then Pilate says, do you answer nothing? Look at all the things they're saying about you. And Jesus still answered nothing so that Pilate marveled. Most of us would try to defend ourselves in, in, in that setting. So why didn't Jesus speak up? Why didn't he defend himself, especially if he was innocent of the charges they were making? Well, uh, he was innocent, but, but he was content to allow these baseless, false charges against him, uh, to allow these things to happen, to endure them without murmur and without complaint, The Bible says, as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He did that for you and me. He was silent for you. C.H. Spurgeon wrote that what power he thus exerted in remaining silent. Perhaps nothing displays more fully the omnipotence of Christ than this power of self-control. Jesus did not need to speak or to defend himself. He did not rise and, and, and in protest of the injustice of what he did, uh, what they were doing to him, uh, even though he was innocent, he suffered in silence for our sake so that we might come to him and be saved. And, and this passage uh, scripture, thinking about the silence of Christ, the silence of Christ is a demonstration of his love for each of us. And he opened not his mouth so that you and I would have a way open into heaven. Uh, and, and so that you and I could come and open our mouths and call upon him. Because whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He remained silent. He didn't defend himself. He didn't uh, attack his accusers. He endured it all for us. Moving on in the narrative in verse 6, we read that at the feast... Uh, it says, you know, Pilate was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And this was just a, a something that they did. It was seems to be a local thing, maybe even instituted by Pilate, because we don't read about it outside of this, uh, in, in, in history, outside of this area. And um, he did it probably to gain favor with the Jews in Jerusalem. They were always butting heads, and it was not a desirable uh, place to serve if you're a Roman uh, procurator. But um, so this was one thing he did to try to make peace. And verse 7 says there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels and they had committed murder in the rebellion. It doesn't say directly that Barabbas had committed murder, but, but he's certainly with the group that did. And, and, and Barabbas' name, it means son of the father. Barabbas. Abba means father and, and Bar means son. And here is Barabbas, son of the father, named so. And he's juxtaposed next to our Lord Jesus, who is the true son of the father. So Barabbas, he was a robber, he was in prison, he was awaiting uh, death uh, for the crimes of sedition and murder. And so Matthew's gospel says that Pilate gave them a choice Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? And. um, he probably picked him because he was such a notorious criminal. Surely they wouldn't want him to be released because he's, he's such a, a terrible uh, person. Uh, they would be forced to choose the lesser of two evils. They would be forced to release Jesus. Well, Jesus they might not like, but at least he's not going to you know, come around and rob us and kill us. He's, he's, he's kind of a nice guy. Uh, and, and Pilate had this in his thoughts probably. In verse 9, he says to the crowd, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For you knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. They didn't hand Jesus over because they had a regard for justice. Uh, They had no such regard for justice. They were only jealous of his popularity and envious of uh, the following that he had gathered. And they also hated him because he had exposed their sins and, and, and shown uh, exposed the sins of the leaders before the people. <clears throat> and uh, that they could not withstand. So Pilate reasoned, uh, of course they're going to pick Jesus. The crowds had been on his side for the most part uh, during Jesus' earthly ministry. But verse 11 says the chief priest stirred up the crowds. Some uh, commentators say that they did this when Pilate went back, uh, you know, and, and, conferred with Jesus was kind of out of the way for a moment. That's when they used that, took advantage of the time, uh, to stir up the crowds. And crowd psychology is an interesting thing, uh, to, to study. Uh, not that I've studied it, but I think we can observe crowds. Uh, which often today are uh, online mobs and so forth, but crowd psychology. In February of 2010, um, uh, Dylan Yont, he's a 32 year old man living in San Francisco, he's standing on the roof uh, of his apartment building. And as he contemplated jumping off uh, the building and ending his life, a, a crowd began to gather. And according to eyewitness reports, certain sections of the crowd began to encouraging this man to jump to his death. Uh, and they were shouting, jump, just do it already. And they, and they called him an idiot and they, you know, and they started laughing at him and mocking him. Look at him, he can't even jump. Why don't you just end it? And they all, as a crowd, as one, began to do that and, and they started posting videos of him. Uh, and put in on on social media, and, and police came to the scene, but they didn't try to stop the abuse that was being hurled uh, at this man. And eventually, Dylan yacht did jump from the building. It's hard for us to believe how, in, a, in 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 a society that you know, a whole crowd can behave in such a way. But uh, these things happen, and we he did eventually jump to his death. We don't know, you know, what was going on in his mind, but uh, to hear strangers egging him on to do it surely uh, didn't help his, his case. And then to think, you know, if, it, if one was by themselves, would they have acted differently? Probably so. But, you see, being in crowds will pressure us to go along with them. Crowds can be manipulated. They can be swayed. They can easily be moved. And we have to watch ourselves in, in this area, but while Pilate had been interviewing Jesus, they they, they began work, the, the chief priests began working the crowd, and, and you know the devil knows the psychology of crowds. He knows how to utilize them for evil, and 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 we see that we see it on the news so often. Uh, the wickedness that comes out in crowds. Well, this is this is uh, the work of The evil one. Uh, The chief priests were simply the instruments used to stir up the crowd and call for the release of Barabbas and therefore for Jesus' death. In verse 12, Pilate answered and said, What then do you want me to do with him that you call the king of the Jews? Every time he said that, king of the Jews, they probably got even madder, but um, uh, they cried out again, crucify him. This is... Crowd pressure, but really it's the human heart. It's the depravity of mankind and the ungodliness. that so they would choose Barabbas and prefer him to the Lord of glory, to their Messiah. <clears throat> Peter in his Pentecost sermon did not fail to mention this fact and charge this guilt upon the Jews. He says, you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted to you. This was your sin. You rejected your Messiah, your king. You chose a murderer. You are guilty before God. Of course, he offered forgiveness in that sermon. And some 3,000 souls were saved. But we marvel at the wickedness of of the Jews in rejecting the Lord and choosing Barabbas. They they were guilty, really, of the greatest crime in the history of the world. The the killing of the innocent Son of God is the greatest crime. Crime in the history of the world. Bishop J.C. Ryle comments, he says, But let us take heed that we do not unwittingly follow their example. Let us beware that we are not found uh, at last to have chosen Barabbas and rejected Christ. Uh, the service of sin and the service of God are continually before us. This, this choice. The friendship of the world and the friendship of Christ." He said, are continually pressed upon our notice. Are we making the right choice? Are we cleaving to the right friend? So which will it be, Christ or your sin? Christ or the things of this world. Christ chose to go to the cross for you. Will you choose Christ and receive the salvation that he went to the cross to secure for all those who believe? Well, in verse 14, after they asked Jesus For Jesus to be crucified, Pilate says, Why? What evil has he done? Pilate knew he was innocent, but they cried out all the more, crucifying. And so here's the crowd pressure being brought upon this weak ruler, Pontius Pilate. Uh, They they didn't care what Pilate thought. Uh, They continued to push that a felon named Barabbas should go free rather than Jesus Christ. Well, Christ had done nothing wrong. Why did they hate him? Why did they want to put Jesus to death? Um, well, because he told them the truth. He told them they were sinners. He told them uh, that they needed to be born again. He told them that, uh, that God was going to judge them if they didn't repent and, and they didn't want to hear what he had to say. They hated the light, as John's Gospel says, uh, because their deeds were evil. Christ was the light of the world. If your deeds are evil, you're gonna you're gonna despise that light that exposes your sin. And so they hated him because he was God in the flesh. This proves the hate that mankind by nature uh, hates God. And so and, and until God changes our hearts, we really do hate God. We don't want Him to be to be God. We want to be our own gods. And so uh, this was true of them. And again, we see the, the, the true depravity of mankind. And, and again, it's, it's not merely the Jews who are depraved. You and I, by nature, are depraved. Mankind is depraved through and through. Every intent of the thoughts of our heart is only evil continually. That's what Genesis 6, 5 says of all of us. We deserve to go to hell. We deserve to go to the cross We deserve to be crucified, condemned, and endure hell forever. But Jesus took our place, just like he took Barabbas' place. He died for us. He died. And Barabbas, the guilty one, went free. The innocent one was put to death. But the guilty one went free. And that's a picture of how God saves us. Christ, the innocent Son of God, the Lamb of God, died in our place. We have broken God's law thousands of times. We have we have a very bad record, <clears throat> all of us do. We also have a bad heart. We're bad at heart. And we deserve to die because the wages of sin is death, but Jesus didn't deserve to die. And he didn't have to die, but he chose to. He chose to go to the cross and, and to take our place as a substitute. He suffered on behalf of us instead of us. Again, to quote Ryle, he says, We're all by nature in the position of Barnabas, Barabbas. We're guilty, wicked, worthy of condemnation, but when we were without hope, Christ the innocent died for the ungodly, and now God, for Christ's sake, can be just, and yet the justifier of the one who believes in Jesus. He was condemned that you and I might go free. <clears throat> There's a wonderful story and account um, from 20th century, of a Polish uh, Franciscan named Father Maximilian Kolb. And he had been in prison in Auschwitz in the concentration camp. And, and when a number of prisoners were selected for execution, one of them shouted out, I'm a married man, I have a family. And, of course, the Nazis didn't really care about that, but Father Kolb stepped up and, and he asked if he could take the condemned man's place, and they allowed it. And he was placed in an underground cell where he was left to die of starvation while that man went free. Well, Christ has done that for us. We were like that man condemned to die. But Jesus stepped forward and said, let me take their place. Let me die. Let me suffer your wrath, Father, instead of them. And the Father allowed it so that he could be our substitute. Will you trust in the Lord Jesus as your substitute today? Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ already took that upon himself. Do you know him this morning? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So today, let's turn from going our own way and turn to the One who went to the cross in our place. He paid the full price for our sins. And we, we were sheep that had gone astray, but He was the Lamb who came to take away our sins and to atone for our straying. Has He taken your sins away? We come to the Lord's table today. And this is where we remember. That Christ took our place the body and the blood cry out I I came and I stood in your place I atoned for your sin your sins are forgiven he gave himself for us so that we might give ourselves back to him in with gratitude and with love and service well'll ask the elders now to come forward